Good morning, St. Paul's. Our readings today are from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 2 and 4, 4a. For 1, 1 to, to chapter 2 and verse 4a. And that can be found on page 1 in the Pew Bible if you'd like to read along. <clears throat> in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made a vault that separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the day the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be light and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing in which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. 
God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and heavens. Our New, Te- New Testament scripture is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 to 20, and that's on page 1550 in the Pew Bibles. <clears throat> then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. May we take the words of the Lord and hold them in our hearts and with God's help understand them and apply them into our own lives. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Friends, would you join me in prayer? Lord, fill us today. Mold us and make us after your very own will. May we bear your image and likeness into a world that desperately needs to know you. 
Come, Holy Spirit, come. Amen. Today's a busy day, but a good day, isn't it? So I've got uh, just a few moments where I want to share with you something that I pulled out from this text. Now, today has been called in the church calendar year the Preacher's Nightmare Sunday. Because today in the church calendar, this is Trinity Sunday. Begins the season of ordinary time, which will take us all the way up to Christ the King Sunday, which is the Sunday before Advent. So we'll be in ordinary time for five or six months, five months or so now. And the Trinity, as, uh, as Hector sort of mentioned and alluded to in the children's time, the church has always believed this, that once you start to try to explain the Trinity, you immediately fall into heresy. The Trinity is a mystery. How do we get our minds around that God is three in one and one in three? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Not that there's, you know, imagine God as a pie and you cut it into three sections and then you have three pieces of the... No, you know, God the Father is God just as much as God the Son is God, just as much as God the Holy Spirit is God. There's not a piece of God in each one. So as soon as we try to get our minds around it and explain it, we immediately move into what the church has deemed heresy. And so we confess our belief in the Trinity by faith and kind of are content to leave it as mystery. The church has always believed in the, in the Christian interpretive tradition that in that long account of creation that Steve read for us, that the triune God is there at creation, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you go to John 1.1 in the beginning, was the Word, the second person of the Trinity, the Logos of God, the Son. Paul, in the great uh, book of uh, writing to the church in Colossae, talks about how Christ was there before the foundations of the world were laid. And at Genesis, the Spirit of God hovers over the waters. Triune God is there. And it is in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that Jesus, as he gathers his disciples on a mountain, instructs them to go out to make disciples. And how are those disciples made? Well, they're initiated into this triune life with God through the waters of baptism. You baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I was realizing yesterday as I was watering the garden and trying to keep the tomatoes that Tony gave us from getting too parched. As I was watering, I discovered something. And I, it, it drove home to me this point. Now follow me here with just a moment. I was watering the plants, and, you know, when you water the ground, it gets wet and a little muddy. And I, there was a pot there, and I picked up the pot, and I moved it. And you know what had happened? The water around that pot had soaked into the ground in such a way that when I picked the pot up, there was a perfect indent where the pot had been even with the, the little drainage holes at the bottom, those were there in the dirt, and the stamp on the bottom of that terracotta pot that told me where it was made. I could read it right there in the dirt. And it reminded me of this, that I think that the most fundamental thing for living, and in that case an inanimate object, is to replicate itself. When that water, when that dirt gets wet, it made a replica the bottom of that pot. When Hector had an apple and he talked about the seeds in the apple, what do those seeds turn into? An apple? Seeds can then turn into what? An apple tree? 
whether my kids want to admit it or not, they bear my replication, don't they? Even at the most, at the highest level, the level of human beings, we have the ability to replicate ourselves. Go down to a, a microscopic level, to the level of a cell in a body. What does a cell do? It replicates itself seems to be a fundamental condition for life and, in that case, with an inanimate object, is to replicate. And in the story in Genesis chapter 1 and with the pinnacle of creation with human beings, what is creation but God replicating himself, creating in such a way that it bears some image or some mark of its creator. And it is with that in mind that you and I bear a mark. We bear the image of God. And you and I are to go out into the world and bear that image to all that we see. To replicate. To make disciples. Now, there's a little detail. There's three words that I love that I want to just spend one moment on before we move into communion that we almost miss when we think of Matthew 28, the Great Commission, right? Go, make disciples, baptize. It seems so uplifting and sort of the, the, you know, the, the pinnacle of what Christians are called to do. Listen to what the Gospel writer of Matthew says. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Those three words that are just stuck right in there, and I don't know about you, but they leave me wanting more. (gasps) What? How? Jesus was right there with them, and he just sort of sneaks in this, what seems like a big detail, right? But some doubt it. And then he moves on. So I looked up that little word in the Greek for doubt it. When we use the word doubt, we might think, oh, you know, a state of of unbelief or, you know, not assenting to something, not believing in it. It's really not the nuance of the word in Greek. Do you know what it means? Being so confounded and overcome with something of such a magnitude that you have no idea what to do. Let me say that again. Being so overcome by something that is so huge that you're unable to get your mind around it and you sort of stay in a state of indecision and you kind of waver. The disciples wavered and they worshipped. And friends, isn't that life? Isn't that the journey of those of us who are committed to Jesus Christ? Even for us, sometimes we waver because we're so overcome by the magnitude of it all. And yet at the same time, the disciples worshipped. And how do they express their worship? They're told to go out. They bear the image of God and they're going to go out and replicate. Even though they waver, even though they don't understand it all, even though some doubt it. They still worship and they still go out. And that's a good word for us today. Because friends, I... I know that there's often times in my life I am so overcome and I don't know what to do in the vastness of life. And I know some of you have walked through that overwhelming bigness of life lately. And you waver and you don't know what to do and you wonder and you doubt a little bit. 
And of course you do. Of course we do. But you know what? God doesn't hold that against us. God says, even so, even so, even as you waver and even as you worship, go out, replicate, make disciples. You and I bear the image of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, of the triune God. And our mission as disciples is not to sit on that good news, but to go out, to bear that image into a world so that others can see God reflected in us, come to know Him, and then go do the same. That's the pattern of discipleship. Disciples who make other disciples, and it goes on and on and on and on as the image of God continues to go out into the world. Even, oh, as we waver, even as we don't have all the answers, even as we wonder, and even as we worship. Friends, we don't do it alone. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit goes with us. And he gives us strength for the journey. He feeds us. We will be nourished by him in just a few moments. Because in our own strength, we can accomplish nothing. But with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit with us, we can do all things. Even in our human frailty and fragility. Even as we waver and as we wander, as we worship. God does not abandon us to our own devices, but goes with us as we go out to share his love with all we meet. May it be so. Amen.